Okay, everybody, we are <laughs> hit a little snag, but it looks to be very good. Georgie Dinkov, how are you, sir? Hey, good to see you. <laughs> Still around? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we haven't caught up in, uh, it feels like a month. You know, what's what's new in D.C.? Um, not much. I mean, I guess the same, at least where I am, it's, it's, it, it looks like nothing has changed. But I think the down by the Capitol, like, you still have, like, the, the barbed wires and the National Guard and whatnot. Can't take any see, chances with that insurrection, another one. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. So you might as well shut everything, shut everything down and, like, basically... Um, you know, at this point, we don't even know if Congress or Senate are operating because nobody's allowed. Uh, uh, nobody from the general public is allowed inside. Uh, it's it's only only the congressmen and the and the senators. So you can have like I don't know, <laughs> um, I don't know, some kind of a satanic ritual inside, and nobody would know better because I don't I don't think even journalists are allowed. <laughs> Inside the the Capitol building, is that what you're saying? Yeah, only like by special permit, and you have to get the background check and things like that. So they used to do like uh, tours for mm -hmm. the general public over mm -hmm. the weekend, mm -hmm. or when Congress and, and Senate are not in session. I think that has been scrapped for now. What have you been reading about? Like the news cycle is so ridiculous. Like now, it's um, we're we're hearing about two year olds and young kids getting vaccinated, and it just seems it's like at a miles pace. Like you can't even keep up with the news if you if you try. I mean, of course, that's probably on purpose. I mean, I think the narrative is kind of is actually falling apart, and I think the like the at least the what I'm seeing the the media seems to be panicking. I mean, now they're starting to contradict each other. CNN is lashing out at Biden for basically not making any sense by insisting that people should wear masks outside after being vaccinated, considering that Fauci said they shouldn't, right? But Biden said, no, it's a patriotic duty. So to to, to see CNN criticize their favorite president um, and basically say, like, this makes no sense, it's going to confuse people, uh, situation is already bad as it is, this, ne this needs to change, we don't need confusion from the president. So, and then you're also seeing, like, um, uh, now in Europe, they're actually starting to investigate the AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson, mm -hmm. not only for blood clots, but also for, like, neurological disorders, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. pretty much exactly as Michael Eden and Pete and, and, and Whitney Webb and the others have said, you know, these and many other doctors. What was the guy, Dr. Wodang, the German guy? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, pretty much exactly what these people have been warning. The only difference is that we're still not seeing the numbers like that, 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 that all of these people predicted. I mean, like the predictions were, you know, we're going to see like a, you know, mass deaths and whatnot. But give it some time. You know, I think the predictions were nine months to a year after the mass vaccination starts. Yeah, the soft kill. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Um, and, and there's also the MIT study, which came out and said, uh, social distancing is useless. Like the six, whether you're at six or 60 feet, six, zero, <clears throat> it yeah. makes zero difference yeah. in terms of like, <laughs> like, uh, controlling the spread of the virus. So this, this directly undermines and uh, the study itself said, said, this is insane. You're allowing restaurants to be open and people are sitting there in there without masks. Right. And that's actually the one place or like gyms or like any other enclosed space. And you're allowing people to go in there and pretend like you're doing the, the, the right thing by keeping them six feet apart. That's that's useless. <laughs> I mean, and I always thought like, um, I remember like I must have been no, no older than 10 when I was reading still Bulgaria at the time was still communist. And there were these articles saying like, oh, during flu season, uh, avoid getting on the bus because if somebody sneezes at the back of the bus, 
you basically this is going to it's enough to to infect people that are standing like I don't know like uh, like 40 50 feet that are at the front of the bus so basically as long as the bus is fully enclosed somebody sneezes the air will circulate enough to expose everybody mm-hmm. um, and, and I always thought like the six feet uh, rule is insane like it, it it does absolutely nothing in an enclosed location right but that's they said no. You should be in close. You should be like when you're outside, wear the masks, keep social distancing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But when you're inside, magically somehow the virus will be like, oh yeah, I respect the six feet rule. Uh, <laughs> you can take your mask off. You can eat. You can sneeze. You can do whatever you want. And they're still keeping the the six feet uh, like distance. But come on, uh, if you're if I've seen it like so many restaurants, you have a, a table of six or more people sitting six feet away from another table of six or more people. I mean, it's it's quite obviously a big party or more than one. Um, you know, and, and it's when you go into the restaurant, the air is stuffy. So it's clear that, that these people are breathing out each other's exhales um, and, and not enough fresh air is coming in, not enough circulation. So if somebody sneezes or like coughs or whatnot, I mean, you've basically exposed the entire restaurant at le- or at least that floor. What is your uh, – we can talk about this with Ray, and I know he's addressed it a few times, but the most questions I've received in the last few weeks were about the shedding of the, the vaccine and that of – if somebody was vaccinated, they get yeah. the vaccine and then it affects the health of other people. What What are your thoughts on that? Um, I'm much more concerned about the study that just came out that said that COVID-19, which we've known all along, it's not a respiratory disease. It's a vascular disease. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And basically, it's the spike protein. And I thought like this, this was kind of known from the beginning, but apparently not. Apparently, like the, the powers that be, mainstream media, refused to acknowledge that it was the spike protein that was responsible for most of the issues that the virus causes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know if you've seen the article. It came out maybe two or I, three, I three days I ago. I think I did see something about it because it's the it's, spike protein. It, as in if it was co- yeah, as if it was quoting Pete. It said spike protein, uh, it binds to ACE2, ACE2 right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And basically, this prevents ACE2 from deactivating the angiotensin 2, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is the inflammatory one, right? And mm-hmm. then this basically leads to to a systemic inflammatory reaction, and you're basically getting you know uh, you, you're getting the blood clots and everything else. And this mo- this tends to happen mostly into the small uh, the, like the, the tiny capillaries, and that's why you're getting these microvascular uh, thrombotic events. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, the study said, well, look, yeah, it may be a virus; it's driven by a virus, but it's not the virus itself is fairly benign. The immune system can get rid of it. it. Most of these people that are dying in the hospitals, actually the vast majority of them are dying of multi-organ failure, which is an inflammatory event. Whether it's caused by endotoxin or the spike protein, it's still, ultimately, it is a, a cytokine storm. It's an inflammatory event. And in the, the case of COVID, you also have the, the thrombosis. But I think it happens with other viruses too, uh, mostly because, um, that's at least my guess, it, there was an old study that showed that the uh, for the virus, for almost any virus to infect, to successfully infect a cell, the presence and the 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 the, the activity, the expression of the serotonin receptor family 5-HT2 is required. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But and when, uh, it's very well known that pro-serotonergic drugs and or serotonin causes uh, um, uh, basically uh, clots and anti-serotonin drugs can be used to treat the clots. So to me, that that corroborates not only that it's an inflammatory reaction, but it's also serotonergic reaction. And I'm sure you've seen on Twitter, several people um, tweeted, like tagged me and you saying like, if you guys see what this doctor is saying that you, know, you can treat COVID with cyproheptadine and things like that. So little by little, the picture is basically, it's 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 uh, combining into what we've been discussing for, for over a year now and what Pete has been saying all along but now it's becoming mainstream knowledge. 
Um, and I think that's what's kind of causing the, the the mainstream media to panic because if you point if if the if the public in general becomes aware that it's the spike protein that needs to be feared if, if anything needs to be feared from this whole this whole scenario, right? Then it won't be long before people will say, "So hold on a second, the Pfizer vaccine contains the <laughs> RNA for the spike protein, and that's the one thing that makes this virus dangerous." And you guys are making us overproduce this. Hold on a second. I mean, you, you don't think in your, the your wildest imaginations or nightmares that something bad may come out of this, even if you don't incorporate the mRNA into your DNA. But then, even the and then the nightmare scenario is like, hold on a second. And if we incorporate the mRNA into our DNA, we're going to be producing this one thing that makes <laughs> this virus uh, like uh, formidable. We're going to start producing this on a regular basis. 24-7, and pass it on to our children. So I, I think the narrative is starting to fall apart in regards to what the virus really is. And, and um, you know, uh, let, let's see if this article will actually catch, uh, will, will be picked up by mainstream media and, and we'll get some some experts behind it because for now it's just, a, just one publication. But if this becomes common knowledge, I do expect the whole vaccine narrative to fall apart um, because it will be very hard to weasel your way out, not you, but like the pharma executives, to weasel themselves out of the of the question, if this is the spike protein is the danger associated with this virus, you're telling me that there's absolutely no risk associated with these vaccines that, 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 that they're actually causing us to produce the mRNA ones precisely and nothing else. It's precisely this specific um, uh, uh, spike protein. So we'll see. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I thought that was a good development. Uh, basically, the, the, the conversation now is framed, not framed, but the, the experts are trying to change the, the topic from this being a viral disease into this, because it is caused by a virus, but uh, away from the virus as a topic towards inflammation, uh, clotting, you know, thrombosis, maybe potentially even serotonin. I don't think they'll ever touch the serotonin topic because that will open so many cans of worms that, you know, uh, the the SSRI wing of Big Pharma will say, "Oh, hold on a second, guys. Why don't you stick to your infectious crap over there and don't don't kill the goose that's laying the golden eggs?" Because uh, we got a I don't know. I think it's like a twenty seven billion dollar market a year in the United States alone, just the antidepressants. Well, there was an article I, I don't I don't think I posted anywhere, but Whitney Webb tweeted it out, and it was uh, talking about how people were. I mean, this is totally be, to be expected, but they were identifying with Pfizer or Moderna as their, like one was sexier than the other. And people were saying like, oh, I'm a in Moderna, Camp Moderna or Camp Pfizer and the, or Camp J&J. And not that that's to be unexpected given our current ins insane situation, but um, I think you give too much credit to people like figuring out about the spike protein and uh, causing uh, inhibition of ACE2 or something like that. I mean, that will probably... Well, well, some celebrity will pick it up, Dr. Oz, or like, God forbid, Oprah, or somebody else. And then from that point on, it will become a more... I mean, look, don't... What was that expression? Don't underestimate the power of idiots in large numbers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so so once they, they, they start running with a message, they, they may not understand it. They may not care about it. They may, but if it's their thing, if, it's their, if it becomes their fad to become a cult, right? Because now it's the Camp Moderna versus Camp Pfizer. It's like their thing. It gives meaning to their lives. So if tomorrow somebody says, hold on a second, this thing is really not what we've thought. Uh, this is an inflammatory disease, et cetera, et cetera. 
who who allowed these vaccines to be approved or let's have a conversation about what these vaccines can really have mm-hmm. in terms of side effects. I mean, once this becomes more of a common knowledge, it won't even matter if these people understand the topic or not. I mean, like, uh, it, what, what are they called? Today, these days, everybody's sensitive. Everybody's always offended by something somewhere, right? Well, that would be, that, that would offend probably the majority of the people on the planet uh, uh, their sensibilities if they say oh my god we just got drawn into something and got injected with something that may actually be the very thing we fear <laughs> and and this is worse because it can make it permanent into our organisms to produce the exact same thing that we dedicated a year out of our lives fighting in terms of you know that being a natural source so the big pharma just gave us this this uh this uh, uh i don't know a bo- bogeyman is that is that the expression but but in artificial form in terms of mrna uh-huh. and the last thing and we can move on to articles but the, um I, i'm actually <laughs> can't what, what are they doing right now they're saying that they're not um having like the vaccines be open source and that's the detriment that these people aren't getting vaccination so obviously some kind of psychological operation like the uh there's or, or or like if if I, I think the pharma companies don't want to disclose mm-hmm. how exactly these things were made mm-hmm. and what the whole process is because if they become open source mm-hmm. um and i think they by law they have to be because they were i think they were developed mostly with government funding mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um now i don't know how exactly this money was distributed but since i work in the government sector if you develop something that the government paid for under a government contract it, it is public property. I, oh, I think Wendy Webb has an article about that, and she says that the deal oh, is totally top secret, and like the, wow. nobody's seen it or can see it. Well, it's it's almost like th- those secret courts and the secret indictments with the terrorists. You're <laughs> guilty, but we cannot tell you why, and your lawyers cannot see the evidence, and that's it. And and your lawyers better keep their mouth shut because even the the, the very fact that you're indicted <laughs> and you're being brought to court, that's also secret. <laughs> and if you say anything, we're going to classify it retroactively. So if you keep annoying us, we're going to nail you for something you said 10 years ago <laughs> because now this information is classified. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay. Uh, so idlabsdc.com, uh, Georgie Dinkov's uh, boutique supplement company. Follow Georgie on twitter.com slash hate it. Follow me on uh, Instagram. You can follow me on twitter.com slash Danny Roddy. And that is it. Okay. This is a, these are old things that I forgot our last show went totally belly up. Like the one you, you and I did. So these were articles we never talked about, but these are the yeah, ones, these, you. these are the ones I have that I think you posted recently. Can you read this? Uh, nope. It's too small. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can read. I can read. Yes. 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 So any, uh, these all are all good. So I'd be up for any of these and everybody listening. Thank you guys so much. Hit the like button on these episodes. I mean, I know it's totally arbitrary, but it is nice to see that people do enjoy uh, some episodes more than others. And they help us focus topics and, uh, things that I know that you guys like actually hearing about. So, okay. So vitamin D, Endocrine disruptors, stress. Uh, that was a big one. The stress cortisol causes hair loss. Wasn't like a Harvard yeah. paper that came out. Low DHT. Yep. And by the these- same, by the same group that that uh, last year published papers showing that adrenaline and cortisol cause uh, graying of hair. Um, uh, so it's really like a nice, nice all around topic. And this group seems to be, you know, uh, demonstrating conclusively that it really it's stress that's, that's destroying hair, both in terms of growth and 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 how it in the way and, and how it looks. And didn't they like uh, signal? Um, <laughs> didn't they define some specific messenger that like cortisol was inducing or yeah. something? 
Yep. But more importantly, they said basically, like, so so, so they said, uh, the, the key finding to me was that there was no such thing as good levels of cortisol. Mm -hmm. When they actually fully blocked the cortisol, removed it altogether, even like the regular quiescent time uh, time for the stem cells, like because they, they experienced like a growth phase and like a sleeping phase, even that like like normal like uh, switching back and forth between the like the the growth and and the uh, and the restraining of growth, mm -hmm. the, the that phase of restraining of growth disappeared. Mm -hmm. So basically, if you block your cortisol fully, you should be having like a really really full like uh, uh, you know uh, head of hair. And I this reminds me that I was actually looking at some studies maybe five years ago that people with Addison's disease, mm -hmm. which and these people have very low levels of cortisol, they tend to have really extremely dense and like really bushy and healthy looking hair. Um, so <laughs> not, not I guess, <laughs> pick your poison, right? I mean, like your hair looks great, but if you don't take your cortisol shot, you can die because really without cortisol, you can die. Um, but uh, yeah. Oh, did you find the well, well, this, state? This was an old, uh, doesn't the three beta hydroxysteroid dehydrogenase that um, I would have to brush up on this. I, I can't remember, but that's like a cortisol inhibitor that is used for Cushing's disease, but it's also used for yeah. dogs that experience hair loss. And so this is this is the dog before the trilostane, and then this is the dog after. But look look at uh, that quote you have over there. It says it also blocks estrogen receptors, which matches uh, perfectly uh, uh, with that other study, which we found that basically estrogen um, like blocks the, the growth of hair and administering, full, I think it was fulvestrant, which mm -hmm. is a, a, a competitive estrogen receptor antagonist used for breast cancer that also restore hair growth. So I guess really the key here is to, to uh, which I say mentioned in the article in my blog post, is that use something that can block both cortisol and estrogen. But what is that one substance that we've known all along that can do both? Progesterone. Progesterone, exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, just to complete this thought, but the reason the progesterone would be inadequate would be thyroid function, right? Thyroid function and also like uh, there could be other pathways. I mean, so high PTH, it can actually also cause hair loss. So you could be blocking estrogen and cortisol, but if, if like you, your parathyroid hormone is high, you're getting a, fibro a fibrotic effect it usually starts at the scalp and other non-crucial tissues first, and over time extends to more vital organs. Um, also, prolactin. Um, I guess if your if your cortisol and estrogen are under control, it'd be hard to have high prolactin. But actually, prolactin is a biomarker of stress. So if you're under stress, um, uh, you, your prolactin will rise naturally just as a response because it is a a growth hormone. Um, so I guess that is another thing that can be blocked directly with like. Uh, dopamine agonists or serotonin antagonists like bromocryptine uh, or maybe cyproheptadine. So there are multiple pathways here. The question is, how can you block all of them or at least most of them? And so far, the cortisol and estrogen seem to be pretty hard, pretty core uh, major causes of hair loss. I think parathyroid hormone is another one and potentially serotonin as well uh, because anything that involves stress will raise parathyroid hormone, prolactin, or serotonin. And, and, you know, putting estrogen and cortisol aside. So, you know, maybe the cocktail to try would be like cyproheptadine and progesterone. That that should should uh, take care of it more or less, or it, unless there's another major pathway, which so far I have not seen any evidence for. Yeah, we can move on after this. But the um, what, like Ray had said something, again, this is not mind-blowing info. I, there, it's out there, I think, but hair loss being a result of circulatory disease. And I think that's almost, or like future circulatory disease, like an early marker. And right. I almost am convinced at the moment, like that is probably the absolute best way of looking at it. Cause there's, 
a lots of pa- there's a few papers that talk about the um, uh, vascular insufficiency and then hypertension as a result, and I, and I I think that just ties a bow on the entire process, and that and that that's why it singles out calcium so much because isn't the whole process of like um, hardening of the arteries calcium going into the soft tissue when it's not supposed to be there. And it's driven by aldosterone and cortisol. Mm-hmm. So again, once again, we get these like the the, the two uh, both of them are stress hormones. Mm-hmm. Most people don't think of aldosterone as stress hormone, but it is. It tends to rise it tends to rise together with cortisol as well and cause the retention of sodium because you are losing it when you're under stress. Mm-hmm. And it's producing the adrenals, right? Yes. So you're getting the uh, so it's it, it's the same it's the same layer that produces cortisol that also produces aldosterone, mm-hmm. and it's the uh, the outermost layer that atrophies first, and that's the one that produces pregnenolone and DHEA. <laughs> Excuse me, excellent stuff. Okay, what's the next one here? Okay, um, any of these? The that one that you- was pretty surprising to me was that the estrogen causes obes- obesity yeah. and PCOS mm-hmm. in women. DHT is protective. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty shocking pair of studies. First of all. Because it demonstrated, uh, there was the first one is an epi- epidemiological study, observation study, which demonstrated that unlike what we've been told so far, it continued to be told actually with, in women with PCOS, if you control properly control the study, then you, the only things associated with obesity and PCOS are estrone and estrone sulfate, not mm-hmm. even estradiol. Mm-hmm. And I found that really. A valuable piece of information because it's estrone and estrone sulfate that are the dominant estrogens in postmenopausal women. Mm-hmm. Estradiol levels decline, mm-hmm. but because estradiol can be easily synthesized from estrone and or estrone sulfate, then this this uh, sort of like fake deficiency in the blood um, really doesn't matter because the, uh, almost every cell in the body contains the enzymes necessary to synthesize estradiol as needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, estrone and estrone sulfate. Though weaker than estradiol, they still have a significant estrogenic effect at the receptor level. So if so, for, so and then people say, well, but it's just an observational study. Uh, there's so many others that show that dihydrotestosterone is associated with obesity, uh, both uh, human and animal studies. Well, guess what? Second study is an interventional study, which I thought I would never see, with dihydrotestosterone in women. Massive dosage, 37.5 <laughs> milligrams taken twice a day. Guess what the result was? These women got lean and horny like beasts. And basically, there was absolutely no side effects. Think about this. This is 75 milligrams of dihydrotestosterone daily. Uh, that's a massive dosage even for males. I think Ray would puke if you yeah, would see that. He would not be favorable yeah. to that. <laughs> uh, now, of course, it was topical. Not all of it was absorbed. Uh, but even if you assume 10% absorption, which is most most uh, which is what most of the gels like uh, andractin, which is what was used in the study, mm-hmm. uh, the andractin people uh, advertise between 10 and 12% absorption rate. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's about 3.75. Let's call it four milligrams per dosage. So four milligrams absorbed twice a day. That's eight milligrams daily. Mm-hmm. So even for a male, Ray would say that even for testosterone, that's an absolutely massive and ridiculous dose. For DHT, he'll probably like do backflips if you try to suggest anything more than a milligram, <laughs> right? And this is for women, uh, but no side effects, no virilization, right? No uh, coarse, no, no getting the coarse voice, um, no body hair, nothing. I mean, they actually felt great. Um, so I think the combination of these two studies and the one that I linked to earlier in the blog post, which showed that injecting estrogen can directly cause PCOS, to me, that settles it. I mean, I don't think you can get, because it's a combination of several animal studies that show administering estrogen causes PCOS, an observational study that shows that estrone and estrone sulfate 
are associated strongly and the only steroids associated with obesity and PCOS in women. And finally, you get an interventional study with the villain because the, the, the most of the doctors, the endocrinologists, will actually directly blame dihydrotestosterone for PCOS. Mm -hmm, and if mm -hmm. you look at most of the animal studies, they are talking about mostly DHT. And sometimes they'll administer testosterone, sometimes they administer DHEA, but they always, the blame, the villain always usually comes down to it's the hydrotestosterone because it's the most androgenic and, you know, that's the villain in PCOS and obesity. <laughs> Man, I'm, really, I'm really dumb. I'm totally, I totally had forgotten that that's the thing they blame it on. You know, yes, they blame it on the androgens. Yeah. And so, so that, that makes this even more wild. I, I just know. There's had a something brain fart. going on here. For dihydrotestosterone to get such specifically attacked, mm -hmm. to get so specifically attacked in both males and females for decades, there must be something going on. There must have been a secret CIA experiment, <laughs> probably injecting, I don't know, like people under, you know, in, in a condition of slavery or learn helplessness with DHT. And then they saw these people revolted and destroyed <laughs> their captors and oppressors. And they said, by God's name, we need to come up with a way to keep this suppressed <laughs> yeah. in the general population. I Man. mean, there's, I, I cannot think of why, why else would this specific androgen get, get so vilified mm -hmm. uh, for so many different conditions mm -hmm. in both sexes? Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Um, what was I going to say? And just to tie a bow on this, the estrogen is overstimulating the ovaries, and that's yes. and, 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 and that's the, what's causing the increase in DHEA sulfate, mm -hmm. which is yes, uh, without a doubt. Um, if you take a, like a random sample of women with PCOS, you will see increased levels of DHEA dash S. However, mm -hmm. with advancing age, this correlation disappears, which once again demonstrates the DHEA S. It's not the actual villain. But in younger, healthier women, it's produced as a way to combat and and basically like uh, offset the, the 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 production of cortisol and estrogen. Yeah, they're they're producing a lot of estrogen probably because of low thyroid, and they're being like uh, estrogenized and androgenized at the same time. But providing an androgen opposes the estrogen, and in this study, alleviated it. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and because this, you know, DHT cannot aromatize. I've seen some studies saying like, well, uh, because there are older studies showing that administering testosterone to women with PCOS was therapeutic, mm -hmm. and of course, the immediate response from the endo from mainstream endocrinologists was like, well, of course, it's converting to estrogen. That's exactly where you're getting the benefit. Well, DHT does not. So really, really like an amazing pair of studies plus the one, the earlier ones that I referenced in the blog that showing estrogen administration causes PCOS and obesity. I would like to hear anybody try to come up with a counter argument because it doesn't doesn't get any clearer than this. And in fact, this is actually stronger evidence than than the protective role of DHT in prostate cancer. Because I don't know of any any prostate cancer study in males, humans that administered dihydrotestosterone. Now we have one in females with PCOS administering DHT. But but you are studying that, right? I am doing that, yeah, but yeah. it's not in humans. It yeah. will be in animals, mm -hmm. and of course, I'm already getting the critique because I've, I've sent the the like the like the preliminary study results to some uh, friends who are doctors, and of course, like the response is, "Dude, this is in rats. Like, what are you trying to prove?" Mm -hmm. Well, it's still it's still they're like first of all, they they said nobody will publish this. They were correct. <laughs> Out of the eleven journals, I think nine came back and said, "Who are you? Who's funding you?" <laughs> Uh, and I said, what does that have to do with the study? No, no, no. Who are you and who is funding you? My name is Haydit. <laughs> I'm on the Ray Pete form. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And what does Haydit mean? It means a rogue fighter for freedom. <laughs> ah, okay. We're going to publish it immediately. <laughs> 
Okay, great stuff straight from the source. Uh, okay, let's get into another one here. Um, any other? Well, well, since we're talking about DHD, do you want to go to the DHD can cause hypogonadism? Uh, yeah. So, uh, well, it, it can cause the hypogonadism symptoms, which is basically uh, two things, uh, uh, like a decline in mood, sometimes mm-hmm. even depression, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, decline in. The, they have a special scale for sexual sexual function. Um, doesn't always involve impotence, but it's got other things like, uh, um, you know, nocturnal. Uh, they call it nocturnal penile tumescence, mm-hmm. also known as morning wood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they a sexual desire, right? Uh, like uh, uh, erotic dreams, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, performance, sexual performance, basically like how often uh, you know the the male has sex uh, and how the male performs during sex. So a combination of different fa- different uh, biomarkers, so, so to speak. Um, and then basically they found out that if the if DHT is low, even in males with really good testosterone levels, they started exhibiting symptoms of hypogonadism while being biochemically eugonadal. Um, so to me, that seems that dihydrotestosterone is perhaps the cardinal controller of male health, uh, as far as sexual health uh, is concerned, at least at the very least, and mood probably because the the, the study looked at both. Um, and testosterone, at least for these two specific purposes, is little more than a prohormone that gets converted into dihydrotestosterone peripherally as needed. Great. Uh, I don't know if we want to get into this, but um, I've been getting an influx of reader inquiry. Like, what advice would you give to somebody who is interested in obtaining DHT? Or we can skip this topic. <laughs> you should be able to get it from your doctor. If if the doctor thinks you are in need of testo- of, of an androgen supplement mm-hmm. and is willing to prescribe testosterone, you should be able to wrangle with your doctor and, and demand DHT because DHT is also approved for use for treating hypogonadism, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So the doctor may object, but by law, and of course, don't quote me on this, because sometimes they may just kick you out. They'll say, if you don't want to do what I want to do, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though supposedly it's it's your whatever you desire, right? The doctor says, let's have a conversation. What really means is I will order you to do certain <laughs> things and you will do them or you will find yourself another doctor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you should be able to demand DHT because it's considered equivalent for treating symptoms of male hypogonadism. Uh, and the doctor refuses I guess the easiest thing would be to buy and draft him uh, online. I think it's pretty widely available. At this Do they point. still sell it? I thought it like one out of. Uh, they sell it buy yes. anymore. Yeah, you could. Uh, yeah. You 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 can find it, but it's not going to be from. Um, um, I, I well, the last time I mean, when I searched about it, uh, when I searched for it about uh, maybe two years ago, mm-hmm. there were Australian websites selling it, which was mm-hmm. pretty strange mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because D- even DHEA in Australia is considered a controlled chemical. But um, um, I know people who were able to buy and draft him from Australian websites, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it got shipped and it arrived without any problems. Um, I think some Caribbean ph- uh, websites and pharmacies sell it. I think you may be able to even get it from a Mexican pharmacy. Um, the last time I checked, there was one that was also selling Sinoplus, but they were out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but at least they had it like as, as a listed item. Pro- Proviron, right? Yeah, Proviron. Yeah. Well, actually, no, Proviron is the oral one. Mm-hmm, uh, they had Adractum. They had, uh, they oh, had, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. So Proviron is two alpha, I'm sorry, one alpha methyl mm-hmm. uh, DHT. So that one is considered, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, capable of absorbing orally, which is crazy. It, 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 this one methyl group doesn't really de- make that much of a difference. So if you believe that Proviron can be used orally, so can DHT. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also try to get Drostanolone, also known as Masterone. Mm-hmm. Um, that one is also still to this day approved in the United States for treating breast cancer. Mm-hmm. So it should be available. Uh the doctor may bulk at prescribing it for a male, but 
It's approved by the FDA, which means it allows a doctor to use it off-label legally. So it really comes down to how good is your relationship with your doctor. Uh, many doctors these days, realizing that they're little more than drug dealers, will uh, will try to accommodate you. So uh, I think it comes down to how serious your condition is and how friendly the doctor is and how willing the doctor is to accommodate you and listen to um, basically your 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 desires and why you think DHT or uh, Proviron or Mastron would, would, would be better than a testosterone cream. All you have to say is it aromatizes easily. Recent studies show that <laughs> transdermal testosterone, I think it's um, uh, androgel. Uh -huh. uh, th there are several big studies with androgel showing that it increases cardiovascular risk, and mm -hmm. the studies themselves say they think it's the, the, due to the aromatization. Mm -hmm. um, so that should be good enough reason for a reasonable doctor to, to consider your arguments and try to prescribe a non-aromatizable androgen like DHT, Slash and Dractim or one of the other ones that I just mentioned. When somebody asks their doctor for DHT, I think the doctor's immediate thought would be this person's a liability and they should get out of my office. It's, <laughs> you'll be surprised how desperate some doctors are for funding. So <laughs> I, I know people in the States who've gotten DHT prescription from their doctor. Really? So basically the doctor said, look, I cannot find it for you, mm -hmm. but here's a script. And if you find a pharmacy, even if it's abroad, mm -hmm. basically like fax them the prescription, ask them to include the prescription in the actual package when it gets sent over. Mm -hmm. And even if customs stops it, customs will call that American doctor and say, hey, did you actually prescribe this? And mm -hmm. he or she will say, yes, I did. Mm -hmm. And then it, 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 they allow it through. Interesting stuff. Okay. Um, should we, do you want to cover the two vitamin D uh, articles or, uh, or what do you want? Which one? Oh, the topical, the vitamin D uh, safe and effective for treating scars. And then we have a vitamin D deficiency in Paris muscles by lowering energy. That's pr probably yes. a good one. Yeah. Both are, both are really good. And I think both of them are actually like, uh, uh, they're of course related because the formation of scars happens when there is a, a decline in energy production mm -hmm. and you can get, you can get it a non-local, basically the, 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 I don't know how many people have seen like old people's skin, like mm -hmm. hide skin, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's actually non-localized fibrosis mm -hmm. you their skin looks like a, a cowhide right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and that's because due to the decline of energy production they're actually starting to get an abnormal accumulation of collagen um and scar a localized scar due to a surgery or trauma is is basically the same it's just localized and this study found that the injection they uh, unfortunately i could not get the full text but the way it's written um given that uh, i i here opine that the dosage was 200 200,000 units as a subcutaneous injection, and it took only three to four sessions for the for the scars to disappear. Wow. Now, they don't say basically, um, let's see, yeah, weekly. So so basically, it's not that big of a dosage, right? I mean, if doctors, most doctors prescribe 50,000 units uh, to treat vitamin D deficiency weekly, right? So this is just four times more, but it's only three to four sessions. This is basically a month, a month of treatment um, and if you don't want to get injected, you can rub it on the scar or around the scar and you should have the same effect. And the mechanism of action, according to the study, was that vitamin D, apparently, at least according to the scientists, not according to mainstream medicine, has a proven, known, potent anti-fibrotic effect. Mm -hmm. And that's probably related to its PTH aldosterone effect, right? Yes. Anti. Yes. And also, also vitamin D inhibits the activity of the tryptophan hydroxylase uh, pair of enzymes, mm. at least one of them, I think TPH1, mm -hmm. um, which means it's going to decrease the production of serotonin, at least locally, and serotonin is, together with aldosterone and PTH, is the primary driver of fibrosis. Um, I always 
try to like throw this in there. Pfizer, uh, while uh, trying to like poison all of you with SSRI drugs, the ones <laughs> the ones of you who are, who are taking them, behind your backs is running clinical trials with a serotonin antagonist to treat the very side effects that these SSRIs will be causing. And two of two of these diseases are lethal. It's uh, pulmonary arterial hypertension, abbreviated as PEH, uh, also known as pulmonary fibrosis. I mean, the arterial hypertension is the result of pulmonary fibrosis. Mm -hmm. And also heart failure, also known as cardiac fibrosis. Both of them considered irreversible. Uh, but they're running clinical trials with the bastardized version of lyceride, now known as tergoride, mm -hmm. patented version of lyceride, and the the results are blockbuster. I think they're going to get approval very soon, probably probably before the end of this year, for both of these lethal conditions. So we know that serotonin causes fibrosis, and 5-HT2B antagonists like tergoride or any other chemical that uh, blocks serotonin, at least at this receptor, can reverse, not just stop it, they can reverse the fibrosis. And I think vitamin D is probably a wider spectrum acting chemical than these selective serotonin antagonists because it also opposes PTH, right? And also, I think, opposes aldosterone because vitamin D is also a steroid. And based on the structure and what I've seen from uh, from different studies, vitamin D may be capable of acting as an aldosterone receptor antagonist as well. I think uh, Ray also said it was a carbonic anhydrase inhibitor in one of his newsletters. And that's like the first time I heard that. But it's obviously carbon dioxide being like a very anti-fibrotic as well, right? Yep. Okay, great stuff. Okay, uh, and then the energy. You want to touch on this energy production one real fast? Oh yes, basically the. I mean, everybody knows that with age, um, um, aging people lose muscle. The the non pathological condition is called sarcopenia. Mm -hmm. I don't know why they still consider it non pathological. Loss of lean muscle mass is the number one predictor of both morbidity and mortality in in elderly people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, actually, it's 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 a better predictor than even. Uh, blood levels of albumin, but they're very closely correlated. Um, you can't really have high muscle mass and have low albumin. Even though albumin is produced by the liver, they almost always go together because both are proteins. So if you're synthesizing albumin well, chances are you'll also be synthesizing um, you know, peripheral muscle protein as well. Um, and uh, basically, vitamin D here was demonstrated that uh, deficiency of vitamin D impairs the activity of the electron transport chain complex. Oh, wow. uh, they don't know the mechanism yet, uh, but that they proved it conclusively that that's how vitamin D deficiency results in reduced mitochondrial function. And without mitochondrial function, you can have proper protein synthesis, both at the uh, skeletal muscle level and in the liver uh, for, for, uh, for albumin. And if you remember a few podcasts ago, we talked about vitamin D helping with liver uh, mm -hmm, disease mm -hmm, and basically mm -hmm. protecting the liver from the side effects of cortisol mm -hmm, mm -hmm, when people mm -hmm. are given dexamethasone mm -hmm, or another like a pharma cortisol. Well, there you go. So apparently, I mean, the, I think another reason for the for the for the anabolic effects we're seeing here in the on uh, for the muscles of these elderly people, it's not only the, the it's not only the the improvement of mitochondrial function, but it's also the opposition to cortisol. Most of the anabolic steroids are actually cortisol antagonists. That's interesting because I've never really thought about like, uh, does this, this vitamin D just, if, if you're insufficient in it, does it just promote things that interfere with respiration or does the cell need it to make pro proper cellular respiration? And so yeah, the first, that was just the fa first phase of the study. They, they don't know which mm -hmm. one of these is the case. That's mm -hmm. for a follow-up, mm -hmm. but they, they found out that it doesn't, that the, the deficiency prevents the electron transport chain complex from working properly, mm -hmm. which means you're going to get oxidative stress, right? 
Um, and basically, once that starts, if you, get, you have a lot of stored PUFA, then it means you're also going to get an inflammatory reaction, right? And then it's very, at this point, it's very well known, even in mainstream medicine, that high inflammation is inversely correlated with, with uh, uh, muscle mass. Of course, we don't know, but you could speculate maybe that that nitric oxide is impairing the mitochondria because isn't in the face of a vitamin D deficiency, the parathyroid hormone is going to uh, cause like the influx of calcium in the cell. And that's one of the things that turns on nitric oxide. If parathyroid hormone rises, what the two things the, the, that it probably does most most efficiently um, is activate tryptophan hydroxylase, mm -hmm, so it's mm -hmm. going to increase the production of serotonin, mm -hmm. and also trigger the activation of inducible nitric oxide mm -hmm, synthase mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm, so it has this direct effect, uh, among others, right? Mm -hmm. So that these two, both of these are inflammatory mediators. Uh, if you remember that very old study posted on form around 2015, it was called the nitric oxide theory yeah, of aging. McCann. Yeah, 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 and, and yeah, I'm familiar yeah. with that. Yeah. So in Sorry, that study, he basically <laughs> says there is there is no inflammatory condition uh, where where the role of nitric oxide has not already been exposed. Yeah, that paper is crazy. I think it feels like Ray wrote that paper. It goes it goes <laughs> through so many things from it uh, increasing CRH to it antagonizing or I don't know if it's that paper, but I think uh, nitric oxide antagonizes the adrenals further. Yep. Um, yep. Promotes prostaglandin uh, production. Uh, Everything uh, it activates cox and locks. I mean, it's just uh, each one of these inflammatory mediators activates one or more of the others, right? So it forms this vicious uh, positive feedback cycle. Um, that's why I, I like to call them the disease field because they always go together hand in hand. And they compensate for each other's quote-unquote deficiency. Mm -hmm. So if you're like, if you're only attacking, let's say, PTH, well, if, you, if you're not looking at serotonin, cortisol, uh, aldosterone, et cetera, et cetera, or CRH, I'm sorry, then basically like, like these others will, can also cause damage. But also usually um, if you manage to, uh, to uh, restrain one of the cardinal ones, and PTH is one of those, you, you tend to uh, reduce, like uh, even though not entirely eliminate because the others are still active, but you tend to reduce the, the intensity of the disease field because many of the other enzymes that are being activated by PTH will not be as, as active uh, if PTH is lowered. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I think I already said multiple times that there's so many different layers, and that's why the approach to, to solving health problems has to be broad. You know, you can't just do at the or, very as high level. I mean, when I say high level, people think it's like a, it's it's a business term. No, yeah. <laughs> it means there is a single probably cause causing it from the very top, mm -hmm. which is low low uh, oxidative phosphorylation, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then basically, I guess the preference is uh, race preference is to use thyroid because it's the cardinal conductor mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of oxidative phosphorylation. Mm -hmm. But there are multiple other layers not further down below uh, uh, than than per, than thyroid hormone. And basically, uh, vitamin D, progesterone, pregnenolone, um, you know, um, what else? Anti-serotonin drugs, calcium, carbonic anhydrase inhibitors. All of these are are not are not far behind thyroid hormone in terms of the generality of their effects. Great stuff. Okay, a little break here. I want to pimp this generativeenergy.com just as much as possible because I don't think a lot of people know it exists. And uh, the schedule is a little off here. <laughs> but I, I've been taking well, the timestamps for every single one of these episodes. Then if you click on here, uh, you can see the date. The YouTube episode, the bit shoot, the Odyssey, the... the well, um, just a second. What happened? Boomer Tech here. <laughs> I have like swipe to go back and forth on my trackpad which is a terrible mistake okay um uh okay but anyways just so you guys know this exists 
because I get I get many 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 questions of like when did you talk about this when did you talk about that and I, I honestly don't know anymore. <laughs> like, this is the 50, there's so many episodes. Yeah, there, there's so many episodes now. It's getting extremely blurry. And so if you check this, you can kind of um, I don't know control F and search for a term. But um, I think we've accumulated lots of different topics and um, yeah, I mean this is only I don't even know how long it's been. We, we started doing these in 2019. But anyways, this is just going to get bigger and bigger. So I'm going to try to keep up with this as much as possible. So uh, well, okay. you and I started doing this in 2015, or or this is separate. Oh, so you and I started doing those Patreon ones along. Oh, okay. oh no, no, we started doing the podcast back in 2015. Actually, our nitric oxide uh, methylene blue was like one of the most popular episodes like we ever did. Um, but then then we did the Patreon ones for like a little while, and then we jumped on YouTube. I think it was 2019 when we did. Okay, anyways, um, okay, follow Georgie on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash heydit, uh, idlabsdc.com. Georgie, what are you working on? Uh, in terms of uh, like studies, in terms of products or? In ter- uh, both. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what we're trying to do is test the um, fatty acid oxidation inhibitor. And also uh, we are trying to maybe release a product based on quinine. Um, it's got like a you know some remarkable properties. It inhibits tryptophan hydroxylase. It blocks serotonin at the receptors as well, which is pretty rare. Usually, you get one or the other, right? And it also seems to work similarly to the drug meldonium mildronate. Um, and uh, basically, it seems to deplete L-carnitine uh, in the cell uh, through a similar mechanism. But it seems to require high dosages. So basically, uh, we're going to try to find out and compare meldonium to quinine and see basically how well they act and and aspirin because aspirin also depletes carnitine but you need to take the higher dose which is probably why ray recommends several grams per day for people with cancer so we're going to take this established standard meldonium which is known fatty acid oxidation inhibitor compare it to uh, aspirin quinine and one of the new ones that we're synthesizing and then um, you know try to publish a few studies the studies the study with dihydrotestosterone and prostate cancer is now has been resumed and is ongoing so i'm hoping we're going to get we, uh, i can pre- provide the preliminary results the lab in taiwan sends me a spreadsheet um, and even if it's not published, at least I can give you the results because they produce these nice charts that show the difference in growth between the control, the, the group that's taking DHT, and there's one group that's taking a standard drug called Docetaxel, mm-hmm. which is a standard drug for treating various cancers, including prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if nobody wants to publish it, I'll post it on the forum and uh, I'll probably get sued. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or I don't know, the forum will get rated for like promoting misin- disin- misinformation or disinformation. Definitely possible, yeah. 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 Or, or get the platform. I mean, like that's like even if they don't attack it directly, they may say like, well, enough of this COVID hysteria here. And now this guy is saying DHT can treat prostate cancer. That's enough. Yeah. We, we, we're tolerant people, but this is really pushing it. Uh, t- t- this is a non sequitur segue, but like, uh, what are you doing anything specifically in the last few weeks or anything to like pr- prepare yourself for the unknown? I know we've talked to the, about this before, but people do ask about this type of thing. Um, I mean, I've got a lot of canned food at home. Um, basically a lot of oysters, a lot of cod, which I found, uh, uh, Whole Foods started carrying this really nice cod in, in a can, um, product. And, uh, uh basically I'm, I'm getting those, 
Um, I've gotten some powder eggs. Remember, I sent you those links on uh, on Walmart. Yeah, yeah. The the food for astronauts. Mm-hmm. So now now it's back in stock. Not the full year supply, but like the three and the six month supply. So there's also a way where you can order only parts of it because I don't want the rice and I don't want any other starches. So I called them and basically said I only want the powder, the 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 what is it called, the dehydrated milk mm-hmm. and and the powder eggs. So those are things that have uh, accumulated some of that, and of course, you know, white sugar, white table sugar, um, non-ionized, uh, non-iodized salt, mm-hmm. um, some antibiotics, mm-hmm. um, and you know, some anti-serotonin, uh, some cyproheptadine, um, some steroids like progesterone, pregnenolone, this kind of stuff. And I mean, that's pretty much it. It can fit in the bag, right? I mean, if, if need to be, um, I can, you know, take the family. We can pack in a matter of hour. And if it really, if it's really urgent, I just grab that bag, which is ready, and then we grab this other suitcase, which is with the astronaut food, and we disappear. I mean, we, <laughs> we leave the city. <laughs> they call that uh, the preppers call that a bug out bag. They say a bug out bag. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't have I don't have firearms. I mean, I, I was thinking about it, but in DC, they're really starting to tighten up the restrictions. It's always had very tight restrictions. Um, but now they've uh, they've passed like really harsh red flag laws. Mm-mm. So now basically not only your spouse uh, and your relatives uh, can report you, but anybody who feels threatened, not only by your opinion, but just by your thoughts, right? So let's say you're at a playground and you're, you're conversing with somebody else and a third person hears you discussing that COVID-19 is a, is a, is a fraud, is a scam, right? <laughs> and how you think the government is out there to get you. They can call the cops and report you and say, this person is out of their mind. Go and take their guns. So, like, it's really, this is not a place to, to own guns, in my opinion. But it's it's a small, it's a very small city, right? So if, if I need, if really need guns, you just cross the river, go to Virginia or go further north in Maryland, and, and you're fine. But anyways, so those are my preps. Anything more than that? I really don't think there is a way to avoid the collapse, to like truly really save yourself from the collapse, unless you already own a farm and you're fully set up with animals and supply uh, routes and supply lines and logistics to basically like like completely go off off grid. You will be affected in one way or another. The best you can do is make sure you don't perish in the first like three or six months or a year, and after that. I think if if society recovers, you know, you should be able to uh, to do fine. If it doesn't, then there should be plenty of uh, if you survive, me- meaning there should be plenty of abandoned farms. You can just go and squat on one. <laughs> People have been co- uh, contacting me uh, more and more these le- last few weeks because a couple is here already, and w- we've been interfacing and talking frequently. We meet almost every week, and then another couple. I think it's might come back here, and then another couple might come here as well. And so I'm just waiting for you and your family, Georgie, to come on down. Wow, so we're going to turn this into another Waco, Texas. That's what they're going to do. They're going to say that be, exact same sniper. Exactly. shot the incendiary rounds, and he's the same guy who, who killed, what's his name, at Ruby Ridge? Oh, uh, um, I, I don't know his name. I, I, Ron, Ron Huriaki, I think it's like the, spice, the, the sniper name. Okay. He's the one, and apparently he was also involved with Timothy McVeigh. Really? And he, he was, yes, he was involved. Look, these three things... Call me a conspiracist, but like, if that's the guy who shot the Ruby Ridge guy's wife, right? Um, and um, if that's the guy who also shot the incendiary rounds at Waco, Texas, if that's the guy who uh, Bill Barr, like Attorney General Barr, uh, personally intervened to to prevent the sniper from getting indicted and 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 convicted and thrown in jail, right? And if this guy is all was also involved with Timothy McVeigh, I don't think you need any more evidence to say like there's a. Beyond reasonable doubt 
there is some conspiracy going on that the government is involved because I think it's the this sniper helped Timothy McVeigh train mm-hmm. because I think one of the Timothy McVeigh's backup plans was that if the bomb d- d- like would not go off, he would just get a sniper rifle and start taking people out as they would come out of the building. Really, I've never, I haven't visited this topic in a while, but I've never even heard that. I thought he was completely set up. <laughs> He may have been set up, but I'm I'm saying like basically this guy Ron Kuriachi or whatever his name. Oh, you're is. T- oh the the killer dude was that was yes, his. Oh, yes. okay. I'm sorry. I, th- I thought you said Timothy McVeigh. I was like, what? No, no, no. <laughs> but he was training with Timothy McVeigh. Uh-huh. And he was part of the conspiracy to to bring this to fruition. Mm-hmm. And since the bomb went off, right? Basically, like it, it didn't it didn't uh, there there was no need for the guy for the sniper to start taking people out. Yeah. If anybody listening to this has like an hour to kill, uh, I honestly think. It, you couldn't do worse than watching this secret life of Timothy McVeigh on the Corbett report. I, I think like, this is, have you ever seen this story? It's really phenomenal. No, I haven't like, well, I mean, it's enough for me to know that uh, if you remember like his lead lawyer at, during the trial, he quit because he said like, I cannot in good conscience defend this person because this is such a giant conspiracy yeah. and the government is intervening and preventing us from exposing, from collecting and exposing the evidence. He's like, I can't, this trial has been set up for this guy to get, to get convicted. There's nothing here I can do here. And, you know, by quitting, I hope to draw more attention to this, to this conspiracy. Well, the, one of the interesting things was, uh, they said he might've been sheep dipped, uh, is an intricate Sorry. army devised process by which a man, who is in the service as a full career soldier or officer agrees to go through all the legal and official uh, motions of resigning from the service. Then rather than actually being, this is really small, uh, th- then being released, his records are pulled from the army personnel files and transferred to a special army intelligence file. But they actually say there's evidence of that because there's he was, a movie about this motion picture is called the recruit with oh, Colin yeah. Farrell and Al Pacino. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So if you remember, he was Colin Farrell was a CA recruit who went uh, to the farm I've never which seen is where all the training happens. Yeah, remember? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Alan Dulles. He, he got, yeah. he got kicked out, <laughs> but in reality it was Al Pacino took over, uh-huh. made him an un- undercover agent and he very much remained part of the CAA. That that's why I haven't seen that film. I know what you're talking about though, but yeah. They actually have a video of him on like an army base after he's supposed to have been um, left. And so that that's why these rumors of him being sheep dipped uh, might have come out. Anyways, well, I, mean, I, I don't think it's a it's a rare occurrence for like for somebody who would, who would become an intelligence asset to basically get officially discharged. And at least the public that's part of their cover, right? The mm-hmm. public will be told, look. This person has nothing to do with the government, mm-hmm. but that of course means nothing when it comes to intelligence agents. They operate by a completely different set of rules, all of which have been classified. We cannot review them, but trust that your senators and congressmen and congresswomen, they'll sit there and do a proper review. They'll form a commission, which will issue a report. And that's about it. <laughs> Speaking of just because we're talking about CIA stuff, did you see the, like the inclusion, anxiety, cisgender CIA ad? That was going oh, that was ridiculous! Yeah, <laughs> uh, even CNN came out and said that, like, I think they roasted the ad. Said like, it's just it's too woke even for us. Well, the funny thing was, people were saying like, um, oh, the CIA is adopting that language. When in reality, I mean, we don't know, we don't have access to intelligence, but in reality, yeah, the they, who started they it. probably they started. started it. It. Yeah. It's being used. It's being used in the corridors for decades. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was that. They, I wonder if they just put those videos out to like infuriate people. Like I, it uh, again, it's no telling how, how many operations they have going on at the same time, exactly. but it's like, what did, wh- what were they hoping to achieve with that video? It's very bizarre. 
and if uh, less people forget, Obama in 2012 removed the restrictions on using propaganda oh, by yeah. the intelligence agencies against domestic, uh, against U.S. citizens on U.S. soil. Mm-hmm. Used to be, at least on paper, right? Of course, the CIA yeah, will violate say, any chance they get, right? But now they don't even, they're not even pretending. They're now officially allowed all the, to have funding used for creating propaganda by the intelligence agencies for domestic consumption. Used to be forbidden, at least, at least you know, officially. Now it's fully allowed. I was going to say, like, what is it, Doctor Gottlieb and the CIA watching Midnight Climax, which was like when they just gave like hookers C- LSD and like CIA officers just watch people have sex, like in a, a mirrored room, like those those super weird CIA operations that they had in the fifties and sixties. I mean, watching people have sex, I guess <laughs> you can come up with like worse experiments than that, right? <laughs> I would just say it was a bunch of bored people who was like <laughs> probably joined as well. I wouldn't be surprised if they were participating. <laughs> Most likely. Okay. Um, okay. Let me do. Okay. We talked about Idea Labs. What? Uh, okay. Well, we'll do one other ad after this. Follow me on Instagram, the Danny Rowdy Weblog, uh, Twitter, whatever. Really, you should subscribe to the t.me slash Danny Rowdy. Because, um, I mean, again, who knows how. Uh, what these platforms are going to be like in the near future, but we have about 750 subscribers on here and I've been trying to, that's like my focus right now is just updating that whenever something happens. And didn't you, did you get an interview by the strong sisters recently? Uh, wait, by Ashley. Yes. Uh, okay. Oh, quick question. Are they calling themselves strong sisters because they're weightlifters or <laughs> because they live on a farm and like, they really like, you know, hands down and they take care of like, they, they handle animals and, Basically, down to earth people <laughs> who like work with their hands. I think What's both. Well, both, but their okay. their last name is Armstrong, so I think it's like a. Oh, uh, maybe that's the yeah, yeah. Maybe that's okay. <laughs> So I'm looking forward to that. Kyle Mamunis just got interviewed by them as well, and on Pufa, it was very good. And then I'm talking to them, I think, in like two weeks again. Um, so I'll put yeah, all. I had one interview with them. She wants to do another one. We're scheduled for the 18th um, because. Uh, Basically, she didn't know about my blog. Mm-hmm. Ashley didn't, mm-hmm. and and we were talking about the low carb and intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. And then I like towards the end of the show, towards the end of the podcast, she said, "Oh wow, I didn't know all these new studies came out is, that you're mentioning." And I sent her those links showing that it causes diabetes, you know, destroys vitamin D. And she said, "Oh wow, man, what a uh, we, we I want another episode so we can discuss these studies specifically." Can't wait. Uh, Awesome. Oh, and then I just talked to Liam Pinson and then uh, Jayton f- fairly recently. Like everybody hit me up for interviews this month. Like this month, it was so <laughs> really weird. Danny interview overlooked. I don't have much to say. <laughs> what about Jahed? Have you ever heard anything? Oh, Jahed? need to talk to Jahed. <laughs> it's been a while. I think because he moved to uh, Spain and then Barcelona, like yeah, yeah kind of like, lost uh, communication with him. But we need to have him on for a different point of view. Didn't he? I mean, he used to have a newsletter, right? Like, for some reason, that seems to have stopped. I, I guess I need to ping him and say, hey, can you at least send out the newsletter? Because I like that the whole thing about serotonin and, like, how it affects the culture. Um, I, I think that that will be a, very, a great topic that will now start to become more and more relevant now that the COVID-19 is also known to work through the serotonergic system. And since we probably haven't seen the end of the, end of the COVID-19 hysteria, um, I suspect any any other future viruses will probably have similar effects, and they all go through the serotonin receptor. So um, hopefully he resumes that newsletter because he was focusing on serotonin specifically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really plan this, but if you guys have questions, label it in the chat, like question, ma- make sure I can see it, and then put your question. And maybe towards the very end of this, I can run through those and, and see if we can answer any um, 
uh, just off the bat. Okay. So we should probably we've been on here for about an hour, probably go another 30 minutes or so. Okay, Georgie, what, uh, what, is there any other article you wanted to talk um, about? Let's see. Stress cortisol. We talked about that. Uh, oh, serotonin and oxytocin pr- promote gullibility, trainability, and servility. Oh yeah. Why? I'm retarded. Scroll down. There yeah. it is. Okay. Uh, it's, it is a study on horses, <laughs> so I don't know. Oh, yeah. This is the complain. one we were supposed to talk about last the episode yeah. that went to hell. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's a really, it's a great study because it, uh, you know, in horses, trainability and servility and following rules is considered a very desirable trait. But think about it, like what does, and, and um, I don't know if you know, but some, some horses undergo grueling training to the point where they're basically their, their, their character is destroyed. It's called breaking a horse, a wild horse. Right. And, and, and it's been shown multiple studies have shown that this breaking the, of the wildness of the horse, it does involve serotonin, but they didn't know if, if the trainability of horses that are already domesticated, whether that was affected by, by hormones as well. Well, you know, I, I guess it's reasonable to expect that it was, and it is. And in this case, uh, basically serotonin was, almost perfectly inversely correlated with dominance. So in other words, it's the, I mean, the learned helplessness is, uh, uh, makes perfect sense here. So the higher the horse's serotonin, the lower in the hierarchy and the lower in dominance it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, um, uh, oxytocin and serotonin were basically correlated with trainability, which I call servility, because if you read the study by trainability, they basically defined how well the, f- the horse will follow rules and basically how well it, it will respond to the threat of punishment. That, to me, is servility. I mean, you may call it trainability in horses, but if the same thing is true in people, then now we probably know why at least 50% of the population is willing to swallow any narrative that comes through the TV because a significant portion of them are on SSRI drugs, and if they're not, they're on some other drugs that promote the ser- that activate the serotonin system uh birth control pills even though they're hormonal estrogen activates the serotonin system as well um so not a surprise um i think that what was that study that said like 75 percent of americans are on at least one prescription prescription drug that's um, wild yeah yeah so basically very few people are not taking anything and of those 25 percent that are not taking anything i guarantee you the majority are smoking weed which is also serotonergic <laughs> everybody in san francisco pretty much (laughs) well that's it's wild because if just people were on the the pharma meds that would be like uh bad enough but then you throw in like the super toxic nutrition to that and then you throw in the alcohol the cigarettes or the weed for kind of stress relief and it just creates a complete at that point i'm actually surprised the society is still standing because if you throw all of these assaults together i'm thinking but it also reminds me of it also exposes how well the government knows these things because back in the 60s, when they actually discovered they were doing experiments very similar to the ones with the horses. CIA was heavily involved as well, of course, but also several campuses were doing experiments where they were trying to see the difference between what the illegal drugs like LSD was doing. And that's how they came up with the idea that serotonin is desirable because it promotes the exact same features that the trainees want from these ho- uh, the trainers want from these horses. So the government very, very consciously and very um, intentionally uh, developed drugs and pushed the whole culture towards things that promote serotonin because they discovered that if you block serotonin with LSD, you're basically getting a bunch of hippies, they call them unruly, 
uh, they refuse to follow uh, uh, orders, rules. Well, actually, if you look at the studies, they refuse to follow orders. But the government spun that around and said, these are violent extremists. So I would <laughs> like to see how many of the white supremacists are potentially using LSD. Because they, they sound like people who don't like to follow orders. And there's got to be some kind of a... Um, you know, serotonin blocking either activity or or, or or dietary method or something else that they're doing that's allowing them to stay sane in, in, in this absolutely clown world that we're having at this point. I thought I had the, uh, this was so long ago, this oh, there you go. 2014. So one of those that don't follow directions. Exactly. Yeah, but this is yeah. the <laughs> video. It's actually <laughs> probably worth watching if I can army acid test. Okay, so you can, unfortunately you can't hear the sound, Georgie, but I think everybody else should be. I honestly, you might. Is it in the fifties? When did they do the study? Fifties uh, or sixties? I don't know. Well, the, well, the, I guess they'll show. Let, uh, let me know if you guys can hear the sound of the video. It's not really important. I'm, ju I just don't know because this is a new streaming software. I don't know. This seems fifties era. Really taking its time. <laughs> <laughs> causing confusion depression and hallucinations i don't think there's even a single case that says uh, published that says it causes depression i like that typeface uh. <laughs> are, are they all high <laughs> so they're talking right now i wish you could hear this Jordan. can you guys hear this Somebody let me know if you can hear the this sound. So are these people on LSD or like they're, they're non-LSD? These are pre-LSD, I think. Pre-LSD, okay. Yeah, pretty, seem pretty conformant. Nobody's telling pretty, me if they pretty can hear. Pretty servile. This man also proved to be an able drill sergeant, giving precise commands. Let me just speed this up a little bit. Oh, they can't hear the sound. <laughs> I bet you these are the ones on LZ. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's hilarious. <laughs> are you laughing too? Yeah, they're cracking up. There's one like really is this there's like one guy that won't won't walk won't walk and it's like really funny. Look at them pushing each other. <laughs> Anyways, okay, we get the gist. Um okay, well, so I mean look this like it's going back to the fifties. They've known since then that serotonin promotes exactly the kind of behavior that they want from a the average citizen. And blocking serotonin has got the exact opposite effects. So you decide which one you want to be. That's like always the question. It's like, oh, could, do people really know that? Or is it just ignorance that they promoted the birth control pill and SSRIs and things like that? Like the Because Ray insinuated well, at it one was point. Very, it was very much deliberate, at least in, in, in the case of serotonin. Mm -hmm, I mean, look mm -hmm. at all these, these, these studies that the army did. Mm -hmm. um, now, 
Um, and, and basically, if you look at some of the initial studies that uh, that the developers of the SSRI drugs did, mm-hmm. they cited the research the military did. Mm-hmm. They said that they wanted to develop a drug that has the opposite effects of LSD, mm-hmm. and that's how the SSRIs came about. Mm-hmm. Because r- remember, like you just showed it in the in the um, in the film, it said at the beginning that LSD causes depression. Mm-hmm. So when they were developing the SSRI drugs, they said, well, if we develop something that acts in an opposite way. Mm-hmm. Um, compared to LSD, would be curing depression. Mm-hmm. And that's, they use that as a rationale without ever proving it, actually. Mm-hmm. If, you look at the, if you look at the totality of evidence, SSRI drugs are actually worse than placebo. Uh, we, should, we should talk about a few more articles, but uh, so, uh, a few people in the chat have said, uh, talk about India. Do you have any idea what's going on there? Um, I don't. I think, I suspect it's basically um, the fact that there have been so many, I mean, they had a pretty severe lockdown, I think more than one. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also an article that there was discussion on the forum as well, that uh, 40% of the women and, and like 70% of the males are nu- are nutritionally deficient mm-hmm. in India. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically any kind of a crisis that involves food supply, medicine supply, whatnot, or being locked up, uh, it's probably going to result in mass deaths in a country like that. Um, well, it, 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 well, the crazy thing is, so these alleged COVID deaths, I think it's around, so this is a little more than 3,000 or the 3,500 or something. But I think 27.4 billion people like well, why are these oh, well, concerning 20 i think it's twenty-seven thousand people die per day there you know yeah. you know what i mean from any cause yeah yes. yeah but but it's like three thousand people per day are dying oh my god but it's like yeah twenty-seven thousand die normally they're still using i checked they're still using the old world health organization guidelines on the pcr cycle threshold oh the 37 to 40 is, cycles yeah. Exactly. They're still using the 42 or, or whatever the like the abnormally high cycle threshold is. And then who came out in January and said, you, you shouldn't be doing that. Of course, it's not a mandate. Well, who is plays like the way they want it to be when they really want like when they want something, they'll say we have the power to mandate every country to do what we want. Now, there's but in January, they came out and said it's only guidelines. You guys decide what you want to do. Yeah. Do you, Ray, this is tweet says that basically unbelievable all your cdc has played dumb about the standard 37 to 40 cycle thresholds using covid pcr testing yielding 85 to 90 percent false positives lowering the threshold to 28 for post-vaccine testing is proof if more was needed they knew exactly what they were doing i think and also who now recommends says a single positive test even with the lower cycle threshold Mm -hmm. it's not enough to to actually count this as official (laughs) covid19 case you have to retest at least two or three times and and but uh, basically now the new guidelines are guidelines; they're not orders. And now each country is deciding whether they want to follow them or not. I know India because I already went and checked. The uh, uh, I think India still officially still follows the higher cycle threshold. I don't know about retesting, but they're still using the high cycle threshold, which produces what is it? What's the number here? Eighty-five to ninety percent false positives. So I know I'm a big Ray Pete fanboy, but the he called this. He called many things extremely accurately. Like I, I swear to God, we were talking about this kind of thing in uh, early 2020, like um, yeah, March 2020. Yeah, and he he said this, and then he also has been extremely consistent on what we talked about earlier about the ACE two and the vitamin D. Like if you remember in March of 2020, or when the COVID stuff got kicked off, there were a lot of people saying, "Do not take vitamin D; it will um, actually exacerbate symptoms." And right, he right. was steadfast that he t- he thought vitamin D would help for that. He actually two. is the first and only person. I mean, he's the first person that I ever heard talk about the ACE system mm-hmm. and that this virus 
produces its damage directly and mostly to that system. Mm -hmm. Everybody else was talking about like the virus destroying the lungs, similar to influenza, mm -hmm. or like destroying the liver or like the intestines and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, I, he's the first person who ever specifically said that the ACE system is how this virus causes any damage and what specifically needs to be done to stop it. Long before the first study on Losartan came out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, just scanning for more questions here. Uh, what what other maybe we could end uh, or we're only one twenty. We don't have to go super long. What, any scroll, one or two more articles? Down, let me see. Maybe one more. Uh, do you have, okay, I don't see the full screen. I only oh, see oh, what oh, oh. there's muscle. My fault. Okay, here are the. Or I could make it a little uh, bit smaller. Oh, well, the endotoxin may be a cause of fatal lung damage in COVID-19. Perfect. I think that's a pretty good one because they actually used a blocker of TLR4 mm -hmm. and they prevented the deaths from COVID. Um, so you should, you should never be discounted that any kind of exacerbation of a viral disease, it's usually driven by some kind of an intestinal dysfunction caused by the virus or exacerbated by the virus. And then endotoxin takes care of the rest because keep in mind, most of the people dying from viral conditions in hospitals are dying from the cytokine storm and almost every case that has been investigated and that has been tried to be, that's been replicated animal models. TLR4 blockers are capable of stopping those deaths, which means either endotoxin or other things capable of uh, of activating TLR4 are directly responsible for many of these deaths. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about TLR4 many times. That's the yeah. part of the cell response. It's the receptor that recognizes endotoxin mm -hmm. and, in general, pathogens mm -hmm. that are in the blood. Mm -hmm. And estrogen sensitizes, uh, turns on TLR4, right? And increases expression, so you produce more of it in the cell. There was a paper, I wish I had it on hand, but it was something like, uh, maybe we've talked about it before, but treating like bowel disease with anabolic agents. And it was like... Yes, nandrolone. They use nandrolone uh, to okay. treat Crohn's disease. Mm -hmm, yes. Mm -hmm. That's the, I mean, that's very, so again, the estrogen endotoxin connection, it's very interesting to try to combat something like that with using androgens. And there was a recent study with mice, which showed that basically administering my favorite dihydrotestosterone, <laughs> they found out that the mice with, with Alzheimer's, they actually went as far as to call it the Alzheimer's in the study to call it a gut related pathology. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because when they gave the mice the equivalent of eight milligrams for humans daily of dihydrotestosterone, it almost fully reversed the pathology, but the striking improvement was in the digestion and it was age-related. So in other words, the mice gradually, by uh, by getting older and older, their, their, their digestion, like their digestive system became more and more inflamed. And the, the study claimed that what we, what we call Alzheimer's is really a symptom of a systemic inflammatory reaction which compromises the blood-brain barrier. And then you basically get all of these debris that are floating around in the blood now getting into the brain and you're starting to get a brain inflammatory reaction and the beta amyloid is simply a protective factor. Similarly to how uh, cholesterol is blamed for heart disease, but it's actually a desperate repair mechanism. Now, uh, at least that study said, we'd be looking at Alzheimer's wrong. It's actually the beta amyloid is not detrimental, which is corroborates the fact that every single study, I think there was like a th thread on the forum that I posted several years ago that said 99% of all Alzheimer's trials since 2001 have failed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And every single one of them tried to develop a drug that, that tries to remove either the tau protein or the beta amyloid. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the study with mice and DHT said, stop 
stop targeting beta amyloid. You're making things worse, mm -hmm. right? It's actually there to protect from this inflammatory reaction, which starts in the gut, mm -hmm. then compromises the blood-brain barrier, mm -hmm. causes brain inflammation, and that's the beta amyloid is there to protect it, similarly to how cholesterol protects the blood vessels. Mm -hmm. So by reducing the inflammation in the gastrointestinal tract, by providing dihydrotestosterone, they were able to reverse the symptoms in mice. Um, and I think Ray, in one of the, uh, not the last podcast, but the one before that, we were talking about specifically DHT and dosages about DHT. Mm -hmm. And he said something along the lines of like, almost every steroids effect that people experience, like the benefit, like this sudden feeling of bliss, it's related to its anti-inflammatory effect specifically in the intestine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I just, well, I'm an idiot. I just passed a question for you. It was specifically about pyroset and cancer. So this is specifically for you. Uh, question, talk more about- I'm not yeah, sure if I'll be able to answer. I know, I was going to say, you might not be able to answer this. Py uh, talk more about uh, pyroset and dosing for cancer. Is that an un unanswerable question? Uh, all I can say is the lady with stage four lung cancer is now officially cured. Well, or at the very least, the tumor has completely disappeared. She has no metastasis, the lady in Bulgaria. Um, and she has used, to my knowledge, the only thing that she continues to use to this day are pyrosate and vitamin K, K2, MK4. Um, so the, the dosage that she has been using since March of 2020 has been 25 drops uh, she used to use 25 drops twice a day, but then she started getting, she's taking it orally. She started getting indigestion. And after the tumor shrank and disappeared, now she's down to taking, I think, 15 to 25, depending on how she feels, once daily. So that's what she's been using. Now, um, there is a study that we did with Pyroset for cancer. Uh, I can send the link uh, to those people, but it's not a solid tumor. It's a, it's a leukemia. It's a cancer leukemia. Um, and, uh, it also had, uh, you know, great life extending, uh, uh, qualities there, but I suspect it will work better in solid tumors because for those tumors, the inhibition of fatty acid oxidation is much more therapeutic than for the blood cancers. <laughs> Remember that thing that blocks me from reading the stickers? It just happened again. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. Were there any other, we've been talking about for, uh, we've talking for an hour and a half. We can probably, wrap things up now. And then you and I have another episode so we can save some of these articles for the next time we chat. And I know it's very late there. It's nine 30 here. It's 10 30 there. Um, maybe parting. Let's do one more. One I mean, more. Okay. Let me see what other what okay. articles are there. Cause I yeah. know I, I posted, um, silica, nice and amide aspirin. Yes. Let's do the silica, okay. the silica. <laughs> so I, I got, uh, I mean, I kind of gauged the popularity of these articles by the amount of likes and retweets they get mm -hmm. on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, and silica got, I think like the second most, uh, I've ever gotten of any article. And, and I, the, the reason is, I think, is because it affects pretty much everybody. So silica is present. Uh, I don't know how many people know, but in virtually every supplement that's out there, um, and often it's there, even if the label doesn't say it's there, simply because it's such a widely used anti-caking agent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's also present in virtually every commercially produced non-organic food. And lately, based on my tests, apparently it's also present in some organic brands of milk. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's the, it's not that the milk, uh, it's present in the milk itself, but because all of the milk is fortified by law with vitamin A and D, I think they're they're using them in the powder form. And when they're kept in the in the powder form, they're usually, they usually contain silica as an anti-caking agent. So when you fortify the milks, the organic milks with those, with those vitamins, that's how you usually get the silica in there. So silica is pervasive. It's ubiquitous. Chances are, if you're eating anything commercial, whether in a restaurant, um, a deli, 
um, or like a local gas station or taking any kind of a over-the-counter product, especially in pill format, mm-hmm. chances are you're ingesting silica. And this study showed that even in very low dosages, silica was actually capable of activating the endotoxin receptor. So, um, you know, I know Ray has spoken at length about silica, and he mostly said it's irritant. It's an irritant for the gut. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he ever said it's it's directly inflammatory and, and an endotoxin mimetic. And this study directly proves it. So it's 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 really if you're getting any kind of like a so if you're doing everything right according to the rules you know the if you're eating the right things and but you're still not experiencing benefit you're experiencing digestive upset check what kind of foods you're eating and what kind of supplements you're taking chances are if you're taking anything in capsule or tablet form chances 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 uh, chances are that basically you're um, you're ingesting a significant amount of silica and this study used trace amounts so probably if you're taking even one pill there'll be enough. To do the same to to trigger the endotoxin reaction. Well, maybe they copied you on the email as well. But somebody sent me, I think they work in a lab and they were testing milks or something. They said polysorbate eighty was in most of the milks they had. And polysorbate eighty is a known carcinogen Mm -hmm. and it's banned in many countries around the world. Not Mm -hmm. in the U.S. and not in most of the Western European countries. But in in general, it it is a. If you go to the Wikipedia uh, site. And since Wikipedia is the medical consensus, mm-hmm. even there, there is a section on cancer, and it basically says that at this point, I think it's the World Health Organization, has classified it as a probable human carcinogen, which is only a step below the known fully carcinogen. Um, so, you know, if it's probable, and by the way, EMF has now be also been classified as probable human carcinogen. So if you're getting any kind of a flack or heat from people saying like, you're insane, you know, <laughs> you go put your tinfoil hat on. Non-ionizing radiation does not cause cancer. Apparently not. Apparently even World Health Organization recognizes that now. Well, I'm hesitant to say this, but I just, uh, you know, Mercola? Yeah. <laughs> so I've never purchased anything from him in my entire life, and I'm not a fan of his either. But he had a, a tent um, that I was very interested in because I always thought it would be nice if they had, he had made or somebody had made a tent like this that was collapsible. And so I can't really move my camera, but I actually have it like sitting down over here. It was very expensive. It was $500. But I slept in it last night and I I really want to try this for like, um, I don't know, two months or something just to make sure it's not uh, placebo. Placebo effect. Yeah. But towards the end here, there's a grounding plug. And so I have it grounded and it, it comes with an outlet tester to test for the grounded outlets. And it's very fragile. That's like the one thing I'm kind of like, this is going to b- rip at some point. Uh, <laughs> but I have an Acousticom. What is it made of? Like some kind of a mesh? Silver like a shielding uh, anti-EMF fabric. And okay. so, again, I have zero affiliation with Mercola. I'm not telling anybody to buy this. I'm just I I just kind of pulled it. Have you the, tested it? Yeah, yeah. You so, put your cell phone inside and yeah, try yeah. to call your cell phone? So I have, an, I have an Acousticom 2 meter. And um, <laughs> this is embarrassing to say, but I've actually never turned it on <laughs> in here because I don't even want to know. Because I have, I I'm renting this place for a while, and I it just better for me not to know. But when I turn it on inside there, and it's un, uh, it, it gives off no signal, like it doesn't even okay. give off a green signal, and so it's wow. it's basically zero EMF inside the tent. It's kind of like I'm five eleven or so, and it's uh, just enough room for me. And again, I'll keep giving it a go. I know it sounds nuts, but this is actually something that was very interesting to me when I when I saw it. Um, I was going to say, do the cell phone test as well. Just put your cell phone inside and, and zip it up and then try to call your cell phone from the outside. Well, I, I have a lot of experience with you testing the cell phone and stuff. And if uh, I have it on uh, 3G, but if you turn it on mm-hmm. LTE, it gives off the highest 
uh, uh, signal that the Acousticom yeah. 2 can measure. And so, um, yeah, man. And I, sometimes people send me screenshots of their phones and they have like their 5G or LTE on. I'm like, Jesus Christ, like that. that. If you enable roaming and put it inside and try to call it, basically it's going to try to to, to, to call it on every frequency that it can possibly get mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because if the LT is not working then it tries to switch to a lower frequency because it has longer range so but this way you can test the multiple frequencies the phone can support mm-hmm. not just one of them well what I mean is you can on your phone like on, I have an Android phone you can actually turn off the LTE and turn on 3G or 2G like 2G okay. your phone is almost unusable but 3G I, I whenever I use my phone it like it can post to Instagram and stuff okay um Georgie Dinkov, uh, twitter.com slash hate it, idealabsdc.com, and also idealabsdc.com slash lab for other products. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, on Twitter, on t.me slash Danny Roddy. We'll, we'll either have another chat next week or the week before or the week after. And then we'll, we're definitely talking to Ray Pete on the 28th of May. And I want to do like a Q&A show so i want to just chat the first half and then do a q a the second half and so i think i'm going to resort to just doing written questions because i don't want to deal with tech issues and i'll just we'll just read the questions to ray and see what he says and so it look out on the telegram or the twitter for when i solicit questions um and then i do coaching on patreon.com slash danny i think it's full right now and uh what else georgie I don't know. I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> Stock up on, on food, antibiotics, ammo, <laughs> gold, maybe a little bit of gold. Um, I know people, somebody asked Ray, or was it you like in the podcast? Like, do you think there's a way to like prepare like and financially like avoid the collapse? And mm-hmm. then he basically said, no, <laughs> just <laughs> if, you, if you have a farm, like you're fine. But other than that, you know, basically there's, there's really no place Unless you're in, uh, I don't know, North Korea, China, and Russia, and who knows for how long these will be safe. Um, there isn't much you can do to like really save anything that you've accumulated. So this is, uh, speaking of that, this is something I purchased. Well, this is extremely expensive, So, uh, but I thought it would be worth it. It's like a foldable military solar panel that gives off 30 watts. And the reason I thought this would be uh, a good idea to have is it's so hot here. And, and so... The water's very sketchy here, and then uh, the power goes out. And so having multiple redundancies for filtering water and then also having a backup power, I thought was a good investment. And so these are like – you can like shoot bullets through these, and they still work. Um, you want I wanted to, you know the low-tech version of, of uh, basically getting drinkable water? Uh, uh. Uh, th- uh, there's like – what they do is basically they, they, they put water in Africa. I've seen like this, this movie, um, and they, they pour water – into a plastic transparent bottle uh-huh. and it, that exposes it to sunlight. Yeah, and yeah, apparently yeah. I know what you're it saying. acts like a, like a lens or something. Uh-huh. And then it's not going to filter it, but it's going to kill all the pathogens. So if you let all the dust and the debris settle, uh-huh. you're going to have drinkable water that's not going to kill you, right? Well, that, that's I've seen, well, I've seen people do that. And then, so say these were two of these bottles were together and then you right. had dirty water in this one and another bottle. Like the, I think you, you have to put them in some way, shape or form or whatever. But I think the if it's hot enough, the water will condensate in the other oh, yes, bottle. Yes, it will that, evaporate. Yeah, so you're getting evaporated water, which is which is pure. <laughs> I mean, basically, the I don't think the pathogens can fly through the evaporated water. But you don't want to be surviving with your water off that way. So I have like a Berkey filter with a bunch of filters, and then I just um, I really went gung ho this last. Uh, and then I purchased this as well. 
Um, this is something's like, telling me just the way that I'm seeing mainstream media react. Something's something's telling me that the elite is is basically dumber than more dumb than evil. I mean, it's just <laughs> that they're messing this up left and right in so many different angles. And I know they're trying to come to come up with like new tragedies and new crises, right? What is it called? The crisis capitalism. Yeah, at this yeah, point, yeah. right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Disaster capitalism. But it's it's just uh, um, I don't think they have their act together either. Maybe like a few hundred of them, right? If they on their own private islands and whatnot. But if, if there's a full collapse, um, I, I think they're exposed as well because if money loses its meaning, what it, I mean, how are you going to prevent the guards that are guarding you from turning on you <laughs> and taking everything you have? You ultimately will come down to brute force power and, and the elites don't have that, right? So I don't know how they're going to be able to like uh, really survive this if it, if it comes down to a real collapse. That's the scary part. It's like, what are we in store for next? You know what I mean? And, and Ray was saying if things got really bad and if enough people figured out what was going on, they would pull something else out of their hat. And so like, we still haven't really seen the intensification of the white terrorist narrative. You know, that's like, oh, it's there. they're already, they're already, they're trying to pass a new law, which will basically codify specific behaviors and thoughts mm -hmm. like online and, and just, just the way you express yourself online as a domestic terrorist activity. Well, they're saying that the, the, the existing laws that were used for foreign terrorism are not are not really geared for for uh, for turning on the domestic terrorists. So I have no doubt that they're doing that. I'm I mean I wonder if there'll be a serial um, bus of white terrorists, so-called people. You know what I'm saying? Like they'll galvanize people with all these events that happen, uh, probably through the FBI. <laughs> I still you think know? that they're trying to. They probably don't want to 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 launch a full-scale civil war at this point. Uh, because if, if it comes down to that, if you start really messing with those people, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, they're already pushed to the brink. I mean, many of these people, like they're, they're, they're the remnants of the Rust Belt, right? Mm -hmm. Of all these industries that are gone, that have been outsourced or bankrupted. All they, all these people have is their guns. I mean, Obama, wasn't it Obama who said like, all these people have is like God and guns, right? <laughs> and if, it, if you come for their guns, uh, th through one way or another, like there's, they have very little to lose at this point. Uh, they have little to lose in the uh, uh, spot uh, Boston Dynamics dogs that they'll lose those. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> okay, let me read these um, uh, Super Chat donations. Thank you guys so much. It really does support the show. I think this is the first one. Again, I have some odd problem here where I can't read them all the time. But Jan for $13.99, a Canadian. Thank you so much. Scroll down here. Janet Pack for $10. Thank you so much, Janet. Michelle for $10. Thank you so much. Uh, and I think there were more, but I just can't read them. This is extremely embarrassing. Oh, uh, yeah, that's all I have. So I think there were like two or three more before that. So I sincerely apologize. Whoever it was, thank you guys so much. Sincerely appreciate that. It supports the show a lot. And uh, do you? we could probably just work this out right now. Do you have a preference between next week or the week after? <laughs> um, probably better to be next week. Okay, so like next Friday. Okay, so we're chatting again next Friday, and then we'll skip. Or I think I think I'm talking to the strong sisters like next Friday, so maybe we won't okay. do anything that one. And then we'll, Ray will be be back on the show, and we'll do like a largely Q and A episode. So I you know, know what? A lot of these questions about prepping, mm -hmm. you should probably discuss with them because they live on a farm. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. and basically they're raising their own food. Mm -hmm. uh, they have pictures like riding horses, mm -hmm. and um, we like we've been discussing about having the podcast that just happened 
yes, uh, yesterday, uh, and uh, a few of them got like moved and delayed because they had they had to do work on the farm, like mm-hmm. something something came up. So I think they're very very much much better prepared to answer questions as to like how hard it would be to really be fully self sufficient, whether they're taking any specific measures, what works, what doesn't, right? Um, I mean, they're they're out there living precisely the kind of life that uh, I think um, you know uh, many of us may soon be forced to live as well. Uh, my favorite thing is turning around the interview, turning the interview on the interviewer person. <laughs> it's a <laughs> thing I love to do, so I will do that with them. Um, okay, uh, closing thoughts here. I know I already asked you that. Um, don't know. I mean, like usually, I guess I'll adopt the Ray Pete approach when he asks him, like Ray, do you want to say anything? This is like <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Nothing has really changed here except that uh, we're seeing an increase in violence in D.C. and uh, uh, Baltimore and uh, and some some other cities in Northern Virginia. Um, and basically, um, like I said, the laws have changed. Like they're trying to crack down on people having guns. Um, and that's not to be that's not unexpected in a liberal place like D.C., but it's it's recent, right? This push to be allowed to allow people that are not related to you, never been exposed to you, simply scourge you talking to a third party and now they're basically allowed to report you as a dangerous uh, terroristic lunatic so that you can take you can get arrested and or taken having your guns taken away that that's a that's a new development um other than that um things seem to be kind of try at least attempting getting back to normal uh but in dc now there's they're trying to push hard for the vaccination um and the if you remember, like uh, back in like um, late 2020, we discussed whether we, you have to show, like, whether you'll be allowed to go to a restaurant or a social venue without being vaccinated. And now there's a serious discussion of actually preventing people from going to certain places unless you can prove that they've been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. No talk yet about the vaccination passport. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's that's already kind of been implemented in New York City. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if that would be next steps. Um, so we'll see what happens. But uh, things are. Tightening up while the media is telling you that things are loosening up. We just got another super chat from Janet Peck. Uh, thank you so much, Janet. Appreciate it. Um, okay. My, we have an amazing audience. Sincerely appreciate it. We have like 159 people watching right now, which is like ridiculous. Sincerely wow. appreciate that, guys. Um, well, again, we have an amazing listenership. The people that uh, support this show, it's a small group of people, but it's r- really meaningful. And these have become more and more fun over time. And so... The, I know we, we've said this before, but I do get mildly depressed when we don't have them. And so it was like two weeks of not having them. And it was, you're not yeah. using enough vitamin E and D. <laughs> but it's like, like, this is my job. And like, so I'm not doing it. I'm not, I, it feels like I'm not doing something. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. yeah. And especially, I, I, I have the same moods. If I don't do the things that I, that make me feel purposeful, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like it doesn't have to necessarily be a job, but it's like if I have a routine, not a routine, but like things that I really like doing yeah. on a certain day. Yeah. And if it happens to be a stressful day and something preventing me from doing the meaningful yeah. thing, it makes it that much more of a sucky day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is the hard thing that you do, or at least I think of it like the hard thing you do every week. And if you don't do it, you, so there's a, there's uh, something missing. Um, what else was I going to say? Uh, T.me slash Danny Roddy. Give this episode a like on YouTube. Odyssey, BitChute, we're on. Spotify, who knows how long all these platforms are going to last. And Georgie and I will be back next week, then skip a week, and then repeat. And uh, Last I, question. Yeah, yeah. Are any of these people that moved to Mexico that are now your neighbors, do, do, uh, do have they bought a farm? Like, are they raising animals? or Seriously is investigating it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If it happens... 
I mean, I have some, <laughs> some cool experiments to do with, with chickens and feeding them things like uh, butter and calcium carbonate and polycosinol and pregnenolone uh-huh. and see if we can get some some really like uh, out-of-this-earth eggs <laughs> that, can, that can defeat any disease. <laughs> well, you're going to have to come here and do that. We're gonna, we need you. You're indispensable will, with your family. It, it looks like you will get to that point. I mean, it's looking more and more likely. <laughs> okay, everybody, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Georgi Dinkov, my Bulgarian brother, not Hungarian. Uh, most embarrassing moment of this podcast. Uh, thank you guys, everybody. Uh, sincerely appreciate it. Give this episode a like, leave a comment, and we'll see you guys next week. Take care, everybody. Peace out.